back to the show. Okay, we're back with Jack and Doreen Canelli as your hosts and with our our last half hour of Real Presence Live today. But uh, before we get to our guest, Doreen has uh, teed up a joke here. <laughs> I do. And our guest, who is an author, Kimberly Big, um, you're welcome to try and answer the, the question as well. Okay, so the question is, why are writers always cold? Why are writers always cold? Um, not cold feet. Uh, I don't know. Because they're sur- always surrounded by drafts. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, my understanding is that uh, uh, Pope Benedict was able to write without having to do drafts. I've heard that too. Yeah, and he'd also do the footnotes, from what I understand. Well, I don't know. That might be urban legend. I don't know, but it's impressive. Urban. That's another pope too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, let's get on. Let's get. Let's get to Kimberly. Yes, that's, for that's, sure. That's uh, why they're paying us the big bucks to interview these famous authors. Kimberly, welcome to Real Presence Live. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, and uh, you're, uh, we'll have you introduce yourself, and you can. Uh, we'll start in talking about your book, Unbreakable, Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. And, oh, before we even get into it, uh, I think that this was a book that uh, um, our listeners should be interested in, and they'll probably want to get a copy. And we have a copy available to the first listener who calls in and just gives us their name, and the number to call is 877-795-0122. And uh, if you call in, you can be the, if you're the first one, you'll get this copy of Unbreakable. So anyway, Kimberly, go ahead, introduce yourself, and then we'll talk about your book. Okay, wonderful. Well, my name is Kimberly Begg, and I am a Catholic wife and mother of five children. I've been married 19 years. I'm a first-time author. I wrote this book to help Catholics live courageously in the world. I have noticed that there is a lot of confusion out there, even among Catholics who are trying to figure out a way around the cross for themselves and their children. And I wrote this book specifically for parents to help them guide their children on their path to heaven, using the wonderful stories of some of our most courageous saints. This book is different than a lot of the other wonderful books about the saints out there because it tells the stories of the saints in a way that's never been done before, um, in a a way that's more complete, because it incorporates the favorite saints of some of the Church's most courageous saints, and it also highlights moments in their lives that help them develop a habit of acting courageously for Christ in the world. I believe that's what we need to do every day, look for those opportunities to be courageous for Christ out in the world so that we can develop a habit of being courageous for Christ because we don't know where our path is going to lead us. We don't know what challenges are ahead of us, and we really need to be ready. Right. Uh, So who is the target audience? That's a great question. Well, my husband says it's everybody. Okay. So Mm -hmm. he's he's read the book, and... He said, Kimberly, this is not just for parents, but I have to say, I am a parent. I have five kids, like I said. My, my oldest is 16. My youngest is eight. And so I feel like the only audience that I could really write for right now is parents, because we are focused so intently on just trying to keep these kids on their path, right? Mm-hmm. I wrote it for parents because I think they need this message the most. 
Um, but I also wrote it in a way that's fast-paced with, with a lot of shorter sections so that it can keep the attention of a smaller child for, child for a read-aloud, but also for kids 12 years old and older for independent reading. I think it could be enjoyed by anybody of all ages, but I really want to help Catholic families build a Catholic culture in their home. So the idea is to have a book that can always be on your library, that you can pick up at any moment, that you can read a small section to, some of the smaller sections um, on the saints who inspired some of the saints in the main chapters, are are only a few pages, and and they would be perfect for read-alouds. But the idea is that it's a resource that's on your shelf all the time, and when you forget a little detail about St. Maximilian Kolbe's life or St. Therese's life, or Blessed Yerji Papiushko, who, who might be a new saint, um, somebody that some of your listeners don't know much about, but hopefully um, he will really contribute to the, the culture um, in families' homes. Right. It talks about you know the book covering the, the church's most courageous saints, or four of them, St. Joan of Arc, St. Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio, Blessed, and I don't, help me out, Jersey Popolusko? It's Jerzy Popolusko. I am Polish, and yet it took me several weeks of listening to lots of pronunciations myself to get it right. But it's Jerzy Popolusko, but actually people just call them Father Jerzy. So Blessed Jerzy, I think, would be just fine. That works for me. And then there's (laughs) St. Teresa of Calcutta. And then it talks about saints that inspired them. Uh, and uh, I was glad to see St. Joan of Arc in there because she's one of my favorites after reading uh, Mark Twain's Joan of Arc. And, uh, oh, how wonderful. She's amazing, isn't she? Yes. I have to say, I knew that St. Joan of Arc needed to be in the book, but she intimidated me so much. So I actually wrote her chapter last. And as I was writing it, I realized that she was the perfect chapter to begin the book with because her story involves St. Michael. So her story involves the first battle between good and evil. So I think there's a really beautiful flow to the book because of St. Joan of Arc. How can can a mother of five be intimidated by a (laughs) 17-year-old (laughs) woman? You have no fear. Do you know know she was 13 years old when St. Michael visited her for the first time and 16 years old when she left the house all on her own on her journey? Mm -hmm. 16. No, it's it's That's a courage. it's a remarkable story, and yeah, and the courage that at she at a time when women displayed, were doing those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, women were not doing those kind of things, and uh, uh, yeah, just the the courage that she had to display and her absolute faith. You know, it's like I'm hearing these voices, and I'm doing what they're telling me to do, mm-hmm. and I will uh-huh. not. She did not waver one bit from that. I mean, here's she a. Didn't. And- and the people whose lives she affected along the way is just tremendous. You know, um, when she had to go to the commander of the fortress in Vaucouleur to ask for an escort, well, of course, the first time he laughed at her and um, sent her on her way, but she had the courage to go again, and he finally believed that um, there was something special to this girl, so he did give her escorts. Well, some of the escorts um, on the journey to go meet um, the Dauphin had some unholy um, intentions on the way. But you know what? They spent time with Joan on that journey, and they were so overcome by her holiness, and it just inspired feelings of goodness. And they just think, they said that it was amazing because they never felt that way towards her. They never felt like they wanted to act towards her in an impure way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a matter of, what, two or three years? She goes from a, a young peasant girl to the general of the army of France. <laughs> and she drives the English out after 100 years. Yep, yep, she does. And everybody thought that the war was lost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of the commanders, all the officers, the soldiers, uh, right in Orleans, they all, they were just waiting to surrender. And um, in comes Joan, and all of a sudden the people did have a, a new energy to them, but her decisions all turned out to be the exact right strategic maneuvers. So, you know, the, the, the very experienced officers who were fighting side by side, they could not believe how clearly she thought, how, how well she rode, um, and just the clarity of her mind. You know, she was divinely inspired. But it was also her goodness, you know. So she told the soldiers back at camp that she would not tolerate bad language, that they would all go to confession, and they would all pray uh, not only for their, their own sanctity and for their own success in battle, but she wanted the, the, the people that they killed, um, the English that they killed, that she wanted them to be prayed for. And she wept because she was afraid for the souls of, of the people who died in battle. Wow. <laughs> she just is such an inspiration. We, we could talk the and whole it, time about Joan. The, I know. <laughs> it took the church a while to canonize her, too, but um, that's yeah, another story. So, um, Kimberly, how did you choose from all the thousands of canonized saints? How did you choose the ones that you chose for the this particular book? Well, I started with Blessed Yerji Papiushko because he has been a hero of mine for a number of years. So um, I worked for a long time at Young America's Foundation, and I serve on the board of directors at Young America's Foundation now. But the president of Young America's Foundation, Ron Robinson, had visited the grave site of Blessed Yerji just a few years after um, his murder, a few years after the fall of the Berlin Wall. And he said that that experience to him was the most significant experience that he had been on any of his pilgrimages. And he he'd visited, um, you know, many of the most important sites in Europe um, associated with the church. And because of this experience, it, it caused me to read about Blessed Yerji Papiushka, to learn about him. And then I went to give a presentation a couple years ago. And in my research, I discovered that his favorite saint, as a little boy, which he had discovered visiting his grandmother, was St. Maximilian Kolbe. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what Blessed Yerji did throughout his life, he was the chaplain of the Solidarity Movement. He gave these very courageous homilies during these masses of, for the fatherland where 20,000 people and more would show up because they just wanted to hear somebody speak the truth about the evil empire that they were living in. And they just wanted to hear somebody give them hope and explain to them that as human beings made in God's image, they had dignity. Well, you know, of course, of course, Father Yerji had this courage because his favorite saint was St. Maximilian Kolbe. Mm. And his favorite saint was St. Maximilian Kolbe throughout his life. So he learned about him as a kid, but he continued to read stories about him and to think about him and to pray to him throughout his life. And that just really led me on this path. Okay, we're going we're gonna to cut in right here, uh, Kimberly, because it's time for us to take a break. So let's uh, hold the thoughts, and uh, maybe we can... Uh, uh, I would like you to talk a little bit on the other side of the break about St. Jose Luis Sanchez. I've never, I've never heard of him, but, and I know most of our listeners have probably heard of Mother Teresa, but we can talk about her a little bit as well. But let's go to the break, and we will be back in another 
60 seconds, so stay with us. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Okay, back to the show. You're listening to our, our last uh, 15 minutes of uh, Real Presence Live with Jack and Doreen Canelli as your host. We're talking with Kimberly Begg about her book, Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. So if... Uh, and I know before the break we were talking about we talked about uh, Saint Joan of Arc and a little bit about Saint. Uh, well, we'll just call him Saint Yerzy, <laughs> Popolusco, I think. But um, I, I asked uh, uh, Kimberly if she'd talk a little bit about uh, Saint Jose Luis Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio. So Saint Jose is a wonderful, wonderful saint for our children. Um, what's fascinating about him is that he grew up in a time where not only was the faith um, kind of frowned upon and, you know, criticized in social circles the way that it is now in present-day America, but he grew up in the 1920s in Mexico where Catholicism was outright outlawed. So all aspects of public worship were outlawed, including religious instruction of the faith. So St. Jose always considered Jesus to be his best friend. His parents had brought him up in a home where they had a very strong devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe and also St. Juan Diego, and he loved the faith, and he had a very strong devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. So he went out of his way to find all the neighborhood children and to teach them about Jesus, and he would even bring them to a church and spend time with them in front of Jesus, really present in the Eucharist, and pray with them, because they want he wanted them to develop the kind of love for Jesus that he had. So when, you know, all of this fighting was happening, and there were all of these threats to Catholicism in Mexico, because the government's goal was to destroy the Church in Mexico, he decided to join the Cristera movement. He was 14 years old, he was so young, that he had to get his parents' permission, and he went off to one camp, he was rejected because of his age, and went off to another camp where he was allowed to come onto the camp and help make coffee and get water. Well, again, he knew why he was there. He was there for Jesus. He was there to defend Jesus in his beloved country of Mexico. And so they had priests at the camp, and they would have Mass every day, and they would have adoration, confession, and he would receive Jesus so reverently on his knees, just really, really appreciating the amazing gift of the sacrament that it would really affect the other soldiers. And they were so touched by this. I mean, here was this little boy, and he was not ashamed to, 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 be, to give himself entirely. And so they gave him the nickname of Tarsisus. Um, and I wasn't familiar with Tarsisus, mm-hmm. but... He was a child martyr in the um, uh, early days of the Church. He was uh, martyred in the Valerian persecution, and uh, he was this young boy who was carrying the Eucharist, was found out to be a Christian, and was was killed. Um, But he died clutching the Eucharist because, like St. Jose, he had this very, very strong devotion to the Eucharist. Anyway, in battle, he ends up giving up his horse to the general, General Morrison, because General Morrison's horse was shot, knowing he was going to be captured, so he gives up his course, he was captured, he was tortured for five days, for five days they offered him everything, they offered him glory, they offered him to join their their, their army, 
um, they offered to release him to do anything. All he had to do was renounce his faith. All he had to do was say that Christ was not king, and he refused to do it. Um, In the end, in uh, this this, this, really, really terrible scene with his mother falling behind him and other people from uh, his village, um, they they tortured him, and um, his feet were all bloody and had this this, this horrible procession um, to where they finally killed him in the end in in the presence um, of his family and so many people who loved him. But his story inspired the people in that town so much um and his story just spread and when you look at you know what this this little boy was able to accomplish at 14 years old and the courage that he had it was a hundred percent motivated by his courage to want to to return christ's love to him excellent story for uh young people yes who were the saints that inspired him? So, a few of them. Our Lady of Guadalupe, mm. obviously, mm-hmm. and um, St. Juan Diego. One of the aspects of St. Juan Diego's story that I love so much is that, well, first of all, I didn't know this until I did my research, but he was only a Catholic for a few weeks when Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared to him for the first time. And I just think that's so amazing. Oh, that is so, amazing. Oh. Right? So she yeah. appears to him, yeah. and of course she tells him, I want you to have a church built in my honor here. So he goes off to the bishop. The bishop does not believe him. And then the next time she appears to him, he pleads with her and says, please find somebody important. Find a nobleman. Find somebody who's going to be believed by the bishop. And you know what she says to him? She says, this is your mission. You are the only person who can accomplish this. This is for you. What I love about that is that's true of all of us. You know, we all have a path. That is decided, you know, way before we are ever born, way before we're encountering the different challenges in our life. Our job is to figure out, to discern what God's will is, and then to do that will. Joan of Arc said something very similar a, a few times during her journey. She would say to people, I know that I'm the only person who can do this, you know, and that's what gave her the courage at 16 years old to leave. But that's what gave uh, Juan Diego finally the courage. St. Jose had the, the same understanding, that there was something that he needed to do that was very important out in the world. In fact, after he was captured in a letter to his family, he said, you know, please don't be sad, and just remember to always do God's will. So he had just real clarity that a lot of us today lack about what it is that we need to accomplish. So St. Juan Diego was another one. Um, another very important one was a fellow Cristero, Blessed Anna. Anacleto Gonzalez Flores. Um, and what's so beautiful about this this part of the story is that St. Jose actually visited his grave just weeks before he decided to enlist. So visiting that grave site and being reminded of his heroism as a Cristero was really important in his journey. And then, of course, there was St. Tarsicius um, being called Tarsicius at his camp. So, Kimberly, we have just a... Well, half a minute to go, and in that time, would you tell our listeners where they can uh, obtain your book? And tell them the title. <laughs> and the title again. Wonderful. It is Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. It's available at tanbooks.com, at kimberlybeg.com, and on Amazon, and also on my website, kimberlybeg.com. I have a free 17-page study guide that accompanies the book. Right, and I don't know if anybody has called in yet, but uh, we 
Uh, oh, oh, okay. we do have a winner, so okay, good. So for those of you who did not win, it's still available to you. Uh, and with a study guide. And with a study guide. That's awesome. Yes. So, okay, I guess with that, we better go to our break, right, Aaron? Oh, it's time for the preview, actually. Uh, the preview, okay, yeah. Incidentally, right. I, I have to say something. Aaron did not give me a dirty look before the last break. I never give Jack any dirty looks. No. And for the preview for the next show is on the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, your host will be Brandon Clark, coming to you live from the Fargo studio. His guests will include Krista Thomas, who will speak on the importance of Newman Centers, and Jared G.C., Senior Vice President of Global Distribution for Angel Studios, the studio behind the hit film Sound of Freedom. All this and more is coming to you in the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. Okay, thanks, Aaron. And uh, thank you, Kimberly, if you're, if you're still on the line with us. I'm still here. This is a blast. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay, oh, well, thank thanks you. for being with thanks, us. Thanks for your work. Right. I, hope, I hope you're inspired to do more. <laughs> I, I, I want to. God yeah. bless you so much. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. God bless you, too. Okay, well, that's a wrap, I guess. I, I certainly enjoyed it. I, I really... Um, do we get to say who won the book? Uh, d uh, do we have a name, Aaron? Oh, okay. Oh. Anonymous won the book. <laughs> All right. They'll know who they are when their Anonymous. book arrives in the mail or they come to the studio to pick it up. Mm. So, anyway, uh, it, it looks like a great book. It's a, it's a hard hardcover it's got a very nice picture of Joan of Arc on the front of it. And, uh, again, you know, one of my favorite saints. And uh, I, I, think it'd be, I think it would be a good read, especially, I think, for, for young people. Uh, because they need to have examples. And when you think of, uh, you know, uh, uh, St. Um, Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio, uh, he's almost a contemporary back in the, you know, the 20s and the 30s. And what's interesting, though, is that that part of the Mexican history, as as Kimberly pointed out, looks a lot like where we are now. Oh, Except, you know, they, they, sure. in that case, though, the, the president of Mexico, uh, you know, uh, outlawed the, the the church and uh, you know and the masses and everything. Uh, you know, we're not there, and hopefully that will never come. But uh, it, culturally, though, it was interesting how the culture. And kind of, you know, you, you think of Mexico as a highly Catholic country, but uh, for a period of time there, they uh, they certainly made a 180 degree turn on that. So it was pretty tough. Anyway, there's the music. Thank you to all of your listeners, all of our listeners, for uh, being with us today. And uh, stay tuned for more Catholic content on Real Presence Radio.